Our first reading comes from John chapter 16, verses 16 through 20. In a little while, you won't see me anymore, but a little while after that, you will see me again. Some of the disciples asked each other, what does he mean when he says, in a little while, you won't see me, but then you will see me, and I'm going to the Father? And what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand. Jesus realized they wanted to ask him about it, so he said, are you asking yourselves what I meant? I said a little while you won't see me, but a little while after that you will see me again. I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to a wonderful joy. The metal's too thick for the bomb to work. We'd actually need to place it on Ego's core. And our fat butts ain't gonna fit through those tiny holes. Well... That's a terrible idea. Which is the only kind of idea we have left. Mm, unbelievable. I'm not gonna do this! I'm not gonna do that! <sighs> what a day. First you flick this switch, then this switch. That activates it. Then you push this button, which will give you five minutes to get out of there. Now, whatever you do, don't push this button, because that will set off the bomb immediately and we'll all be dead. Now, repeat back what I just said. I'm good. Uh-huh. I'm good. That's right. I'm good. No! Now that's the button that will kill everyone. Try again. Hmm. I am Groot. Mm -hmm. I am Groot. Uh-huh. I am Groot. No! That's exactly what you just said! How is that even possible? Which button is the button you're supposed to push? Point to it! No! Have you ever had a button that you just weren't supposed to push? That's what happened here in this case. This is Guardians of the Galaxy 2. It's one of my favorite superhero mo hero movies. If you like Marvel, come and talk to me after church. I would love to talk about it. Uh, but in that scene, you see a lot of different characters, a lot of different superheroes. And the Guardians of the Galaxy is this group, this band of superheroes uh, who really are kind of misfits. And so you got to see the raccoon rocket there. You got to see Baby Groot, who is this space alien tree. And so his superpowers are that his little limbs can grow. That's his superpower. Uh, and then you also see Star-Lord, who's led by Chris Pratt. And that's the name he gave himself was Star-Lord. So you know that they're just a bunch of misfits. But what I love about this scene in Guardians of the Galaxy is it speaks so much to us and our human condition. Uh, how oftentimes when God is trying to lead us to life, we are so easily and quick to push the death button, to cause harm, to fall into sin, to hurt others. And so this scene really reflects our life of faith and how important Jesus Christ is in our life. And so I think this clip really sums it up, and I'll have another clip a little bit later. But I want to talk about this clip because the disciples in our Bible reading today are going through the same thing. Jesus says, in a little while, I will be gone, and then in a little while, I will come back, and you will see me again. And this is confusing for the disciples. This whole journey in the Gospel of John, the disciples have been confused. Jesus has been vague, and when Jesus tries to be clear, the disciples still don't get it. The disciples are his followers who have been with him this entire missionary journey. On Monday Thursday last night, you heard Carrie talk about uh, why they came into town, Disciple, the disciples and Jesus. They came for this Passover celebration. 
to celebrate that God brings us into freedom. And so we see that Jesus sat with them for a meal. We also see that Jesus washes the disciples' feet. So the disciples are kind of getting this sense, okay, Jesus is preparing us for something, but what is it? What's in store for Jesus and what does it mean for us? And so the disciples are starting right now to hit panic mode because Jesus, the one they've followed, the one they have given up everything for, says, I'm gonna go for a little while and you won't see me. It reminds me of all the times when I was a kid and I was in the car with my mother. My mother's here tonight from Texas, so I had to talk about her in a sermon. <laughs> You've heard a lot about my mother over the past four years. If you wanna meet her, I'll introduce you. Uh, but my mother, when we were kids, she would always pull up at a gas station because we're a big snack family. We were always picking up snacks. Uh, and she would pull up and she would get into the car and go to the store and she'd leave me in the car, but right before she was about to leave, she would say, don't worry, I'll be right back. And I, at some point in my life, I thought, you don't really need to clarify that. I hope you're coming back for me. I am your child. But she would go into the store and I would lose sight of her. And sometimes she would take a while. And then all of a sudden, I'm thinking about all the scenes and all the Liam Neeson movies and thinking she's taken and someone's out to get her. And I had to make sure I locked those doors. And so I see those moments in my life where that person that I trust, that person that I follow around as a kid disappears for a bit and I'm alone. So I can sense the disciples are in that same boat. They're about ready to panic. And so Jesus says this line right here, after a while then you will see me again. And the disciples, they're confused. Now, usually when you're a kid too, and you're confused about something, some of you are really bold and you'll raise your hand and you ask your teacher, you know, hey, what does that mean? Others of us are, have more of a church style, where when you start to zone out of the church service, you lean to the person next to you and say, hey, do you know what's going on? Do you know what they're talking about? Oftentimes the answer is Jesus, so just go with that. <laughs> but so we see this scene where the disciples are turning to each other and saying, what does he mean by this? Where is he going? We're always with him. And so we see that even though they're confused, Jesus hangs in there with them. Jesus doesn't even have to be asked Instead, he replies, because he wants to share this truth, this new reality. I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly be turned into wonderful joy. Okay, the disciples can breathe for a minute. They can relax, because now they know that joy is coming. But that's what, all, that's what Good Friday is all about is this grief that we're gonna experience, this sorrow. And we get to experience it together if we know something else is coming. Jesus knows the disciples are uncertain. I guarantee you, you have been at some point in your life where you were just really uncertain about what the future held. The disciples are uncertain about what Jesus' game plan is. They have been with him because they said, the odds are this is the Messiah. The odds are this is the Son of God. Do we believe that? Do we see it? Is he the savior of the world? Is he the word of eternal life? That is what they are trying to figure out. Even though Jesus has done miracles and healings and has raised people from the dead, they still don't know what's in store. And so we see this in the next line. Jesus says, to clarify once again even further, yes, disciples, I came from the Father into the world, and now I will leave the world and return to the Father. Then his disciples said, at least you're now speaking plainly and not figuratively. We understand and know everything that you came from God. They almost had it. Not only did Jesus come from God, he is God. 
In the disciples' uncertainty, Jesus is certain. I know who I am, and I know what I've come to do. Jesus came from God, but Jesus also existed with God before the world even began. And we read this in the first chapter of our gospel reading today in the Gospel of John. And we'll read this on our next screen. It talks about Jesus. Jesus existed in the beginning with God. He created everything through him. And nothing was created except through him. And the word gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. God, the creator of the universe, of the cosmos, of the galaxies, took chaos and made order through Christ at the beginning of time. He took void and made life through Christ, took on darkness and made light because Jesus is the light of the world. He took our measly probabilities that we rely on in uncertainty and he said he gave us all these possibilities. Look at who I am and look what I'm going to do. Jesus asked his disciples, I love this, do you finally believe? Have I not shown you? Have I not told you enough? I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take art. I have overcome the world. Jesus is that one friend that I think almost everyone in this room has who already knows they're a winner before the game has even begun. Maybe you have that person in your mind. Jesus is saying, no, I've overcome the world. Just wait and see. Do you finally believe? I am leaving, but I will still be with you, Jesus is saying, and I will come again. Jesus goes on to say to his disciples, the hour is coming. It's getting closer. You will abandon me in your sorrow and uncertainty and trials. You will scatter to your own home and you will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. And so we see that Jesus is saying is, even though you have abandoned me, I'm not alone and I will never abandon you. Death is inevitable. That's just the reality of being human. But love, love is forever. Jesus describes what this love that he's about to give looks like, what he's about to endure out of love. And he compares it to a woman in labor. We read this. It will be like a woman suffering in the pains of labor. When her child is born, her anguish gives way to joy because she has brought a new baby into the world. Oftentimes, labor pains in the Old Testament, the beginning part of your Bible, the prophets use this metaphor of a woman in labor to describe times of suffering, of crisis, of sin, of trouble. But here in the New Testament, Jesus reworks it a little bit. Jesus uses it to describe the persecution he will experience by his own community, the pain and suffering caused by those that he loves. Like a mother who loves their children, their baby, even in labor, even in the pain and suffering, we are Jesus's labor of love. Jesus will face the suffering so that we can experience new life just like a child. I think this story, this example, is also reflected in another Guardians of the Galaxy clip. So the first clip you saw was from the second Guardians of the Galaxy movie. So I'm kind of flipping it on its head for you. In this next scene, you're going to look at uh, not Baby Groot, uh, but Baby Groot's father. 
and you will see what he does for his friends. And so let's go ahead. Let's take a look. Has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. I have revealed you to the ones that you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you, for I have passed on to them a message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you, and they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those who have given me, because they belong to you. miss it? You couldn't have. The tree, Groot's arm stretched out to protect his friends. Jesus says, I will lay down my life for my friends. And that's what Groot does. Now, Groot in this scene, I don't mean to spoil the movie for you, but I have to to get the point across. He dies. But then baby Groot is born. How that's possible? I don't know. It's alien tree stuff that I don't really know. But we get to see the life that he gives. We get to see the way that he goes after and protects his friends because he loves them. No longer is he saying, I am Groot, but we are Groot. We are together. We are family. And that's what Jesus Christ does for us. It's a beautiful illustration. And I want to ask you, did Groot's friends look troubled? Did they look afraid? No, it was sadness. It was love. 
with sacrifice. And that's what we witness and experience here today on Good Friday. Jesus says this about what his sacrifice means. Just as I am sending you into the world. You can go on the next screen there. I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by, everyone say this last word together, truth. This is what Jesus came to bring, truth. In unexpected ways, Jesus is clear, Father, you've sent me here to die. John 3.16, a lot of you have that verse memorized from growing up. But God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever would believe in him could experience eternal life. Now, holy means to be set apart so that that truth in John 3.16 is for you. You may think, well, this is for Jesus' followers. This is for someone who Jesus spent a lot of time with. I haven't talked to God in a while. No, this is, this is for you. This is for all people. And I want you to know that Jesus, leading up to his death, right before he was arrested, Jesus took time to pray. And do you know who was on the forefront of his mind? You. We read this in this next verse. I am praying not only for these disciples, the ones he's with, but for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That's you. You were on Jesus' mind before a disciple he loved betrayed him. You were on Jesus' mind before he was arrested. You were on Jesus' mind when one of his closest companions, Peter, denies him three times. You were on his mind as he was being flogged and rejected and beaten and marched to his execution. You were Jesus' motivation because God loves you. And this is his prayer. And so when Jesus speaks this prayer... Jesus being the word of God, the one that was with God at the beginning of creation, what happens when the word of God speaks, life happens. Things come into being. And so when Jesus prays this on John 17, verses 20 through 23, he says, I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. So you are in me, Father, and I am in you. Maybe they be one in us, so they will believe that you have sent me. And so you can see this new reality is coming. Jesus has spoken it, and so it has to come true. Jesus offers forgiveness through his sacrifice, a gift we call grace. It's undeserved, it's unreserved, it's infinite, it's eternal, and you believe. You believe in the one who offers that gift. That's it. That's faith, trusting that. And so, Jesus, as he's pouring out his heart in prayer, as the son of God, he knows that people are coming to arrest him. And so these people approach this group of accusers and they, he asks them, who are you looking for? Jesus, the Nazarene, they replied. I am he, Jesus says. And as Jesus said, I am he, they all drew back and fell to the ground. Now in John's gospel account, Jesus comes in power to the cross. We see a new side of Jesus in this crucifixion story. In the Old Testament, God reveals himself in different ways than he does through Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, God told this man named Moses, you're gonna lead my people, the Israelites, out of slavery in Egypt and into this promised land I have for them, into freedom. 
And when Moses asks God, who, who do I say to these people? Who do I say that you are? They're going to want to know this God who has come to save us. And God responds in the book of Exodus, I am who I am. Tell them I am sent you. God has been at work since the beginning of time for you. And here Jesus reveals himself as that same God, I am he. Just like the water drew back so that the Israelites could part through the Red Sea to freedom, Jesus is now coming. The accusers also draw back and Jesus goes straight for the cross, a willing sacrifice for your freedom. And Jesus says this, and since I am the one you want, let these others go. He did this to fulfill his own statement. I did not lose a single one of those who you have given me. Jesus' word comes true. And so Jesus, we see, has come to fight. This may not look like a victory now, but it surely is. Because we know the good shepherd lays down his life for a sheep, and that's who Jesus says he is. I'm the good shepherd. He leaves the 99 in search for a one because all people matter to God. That's the way of God. The way of the world is opposite of this. The masses in this story are seeking to crucify the one. We read this, that the temple guards arrested Jesus, tied him up. First, they took him to Aeneas, since he was the father-in-law of Cephas, the high priest of the time. Cephas was the one who had told the other Jewish leaders, it's better that one man should die for the people. The Jewish leaders, the ones who have been waiting for a Messiah are the one who are, ones who are condemning Jesus because he has committed heresy. He has claimed to be God and they want him killed. But in their Jewish traditions, they can't execute. And so they call upon this Roman officer, Pontius Pilate, to deliver this execution, to deliver this judgment. And so Pilate, who's a king himself, who's a governor of this Roman state, he interrogates him because he too has power and he wants to test Jesus' power. But Jesus doesn't say that he's come to conquer Pontius Pilate or to take over Rome. Jesus answered this, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. My kingdom is not of this world. Since sin entered the picture, heaven and earth have been separated. God's space and our space have been divided and Jesus is in the business of making the kingdom come, of heaven and earth rejoining for restoration, for healing, for peace, for life. That's the kind of kingdom that Jesus is talking about. And Jesus has authority over heaven and earth. And Jesus says to you, you do not belong in this world. You belong to me. Pilate doesn't quite understand this. And so he asks, so you're a king, right? Jesus, you're, you're a king. You say you're a king. And Jesus responds, you say I'm a king. Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. This is a question in this next, uh, this next uh, slide here that's been asked a lot this year. What is truth? What is this truth that you're talking about, Jesus? Jesus says this in the next slide. Let's break down what he talks about truth, that he came into the world to testify. So we too are supposed to testify, to recognize that Jesus Christ crucified is our Savior. 
We're also called to love the truth, to love our God. That's what Jesus wants from us. God has loved us and wants love in return. We also need to testify to that love, to who our Savior is, to see that truth, to recognize Christ, to experience that love of God, and to share it through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the mission that Jesus is on, is making that possible. We know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The humanity, as you may know, and you're maybe experiencing in your own life, we're really good about chasing death, about choosing the things that cause us harm or other people in our life cause harm. And so uh, we have this example in our next slide too of this challenge, this dichotomy between good and evil. We see that the people want to crucify Jesus, but they have this one chance, they have this opportunity to release him because it's Passover tradition to release one prisoner. So who are they going to choose? They have the option between Barabbas, who is described as a bandit, a robber, a thief, someone who actually incited rebellion, uh, who is actually an enemy of the Roman government, and Jesus, this innocent man. And they choose Barabbas. It's this choice between the Son of God who gives life and this bandit, this robber and thief and death. It's a hyperbole scene. And so we see that Jesus is the good shepherd, the good shepherd who wants life. And I want to read this from John chapter 10. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and destroy and kill my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. But the people want Barabbas. We hit that death button that Groot wanted to hit so badly. We want Barabbas. We don't want the Christ. Crucify him. And so Jesus came out wearing a crown of thorns, a crown that was meant for a prisoner, not a king. And they, Pontius Pilate in the Gospel of John, put him in a purple robe. That's supposed to represent kingship. It's a mockery, mocking Jesus' kingship. And Pilate demanded to Jesus, don't you realize that I have the power to release you or crucify you? And Jesus, it's not looking great for him, bloodied and bruised. It looks like the opposite of power. And so to their eyes, they see powerlessness. They think they have chosen right. At the cross, we see an outpouring of this power. We see that Jesus says, no one can take my life from me. I lay it down on my own accord. And I have the power to take it up again. Jesus also says, when you have lifted up the Son of Man on the cross, you will understand that I am he. I do nothing on my own except for what the Father has taught me. Because the Father and Jesus are one. And so we see that the people looked at the possibilities and the probabilities and they said, well, it's not really likely that this man is God. Instead, Jesus defies all the probabilities and makes the impossible possible. I think in our suffering, it's really easy to blame God. 
Because in our suffering, we imagine God as this being who is far away, who's distant, who looks at us like we're just a bunch of ants, and he just watches us as we slowly harm each other, start wars. We create chaos. We create sadness. We get sick. We think God probably doesn't care. Why would God care about us? And then sometimes we get angry with God because God doesn't stop our suffering that we experience. Because God didn't stop that person that we love from leaving. God didn't stop this sickness that we experience. And sometimes we think that God even causes our suffering. That's the question I get all the time in my role. Why did God do this to me? Why did God do this to me? I want to ask you this. this Jesus on the cross, suffering in agony, does that look like heaven to you? It's hell. It's agony. It's despair. And God went there for you. God went there for me. And yes, you will still experience suffering this side of heaven, but Jesus was putting an end to that for eternity. So when your stress starts to get overwhelming, when you're so overwhelming that you can't even see straight, I want you to imagine Jesus. When you feel at your lowest, I want you to imagine Jesus. When you see that something has been taken away from you, when you get that horrible call, when you fall to your knees in sadness, when you cry so hard your lungs hurt, when you see the devastation in the face of a loved one, when you see heartbreak, when you feel betrayed, I want you to see the face of Jesus because our God is not distant or dissatisfied. God is present. And God showed up on that cross because God is determined to fight in love for you. And God is victorious. Know who your God is. He died for you. Know what your God has done. He is your king. He is your Lord. He is your savior. He is your redeemer. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us. And so we will talk about tonight, talk about the last few things that Jesus says. They went ahead and tried to crucify him. They called for a crucifixion in this next slide. Look, here's your king. That's our God. So we're going to talk about some of the last things that Jesus said before his death, before he poured out his love for you on the cross. On this next slide, we see that Jesus, during his ministry, was surrounded by some incredible women, and all the disciples had deserted him. But these women remained at the foot of the cross. They were right there. They saw everything. They witnessed his breath as it slowly pained him to breathe in. They saw his broken bones. They weren't going to leave his side. And at the front, very front, we see a character that we know from the beginning of Jesus' journey. It's Jesus' mother. But Jesus' mother isn't identified by her name, Mary. No, it's Jesus' mother. It's her identity to him. And next to her is this beloved disciple, someone Jesus loved dearly but has no name because their identity is tied to Jesus, someone Jesus loved. And we see both of these characters, two disciples at the foot 
of the cross. And we're reminded of our identity. We can find our place in that spot of people who belong to God. And Jesus commissions these two people right before his death. He says, this is your mother. This is your son. I will belong to you, but you will also belong for each other. And this disciple took Jesus' mother into his home. And so we see that God's family is not bound by blood, but it's bound by love. Because you are important, you are valued, you are loved by God, and we don't say that to each other enough. Because the world very much so says the opposite. We, the cross shows us that Jesus is the bridge that not only unites the world, not only unites us to God, but to one another. And Jesus says he's slowly dying. He becomes thirsty so that he can cry out these final words. He needs some water. Jesus is the living water, but he says, I am thirsty. So they get a sponge and they make sure he has a drink so that he can say these final words on the cross. It is finished. It is done. The Greek word is tetelestai. Maybe you've heard of it. It's a word that in Greek is a perfect tense. It's very unusual. It means that it's not just about something that happened in the present tense that's happening now. It's something that was a completed act with present effects and will go on into the future. It's a victory word, not a defeat. So teleo, which is the Greek word which that word is based off of, it doesn't mean to just complete a task, but to carry it out to the finish, to perfection. Jesus is made perfect in this moment. Glory is happening here. So we will forever be made righteous because God made what was broken right through his death. And in that, Jesus offers mercy and grace and love and forgiveness. And so we are now the adopted sons and daughters of God. And Jesus, who has been very vague, the disciples see very plainly here, our king just died. And we'll get to Easter, we'll get to the celebration, but today is not my day. I gotta leave that for Pastor Danny. But I want to leave you with this at least tonight. We're gonna spend some time reflecting on the cross. We're gonna spend some time reflecting on our sins, on our hurts. We're gonna spend some time reflecting on the price that Jesus Christ has paid for us. But I want you to remember this on this last screen. I tell you the truth. You will ask the Father directly and he will grant your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name and you will receive and you will have abundant joy. There is power in the name of Jesus because that's what Christ died on the cross for. Because he has the power, power of heaven and earth. There is power in the name of Jesus. I want everybody to say the name of Jesus. Jesus. So as we reflect, whatever sins you're carrying, Put them at the foot of the cross in the name of Jesus. The harm that we have caused others, put it at the cross in the name of Jesus. Maybe the unforgiveness that we're holding in our heart, put it at the cross in the name of Jesus. Because Jesus didn't die so that we would just pretend like we're okay. Jesus died so that we could be restored, that we could be healed, and that we would be loved. 
and that we would share that love. So whatever you are holding on tonight, Jesus is with you and Jesus takes it. Do not carry it any longer. We have, we're gonna play one more clip, but I wanna warn the parents that this clip uh, is a little more graphic. The first two were definitely kid-friendly. Uh, this last one is not. So if you need to take your child out, uh, it's a clip from the Passion of the Christ uh, to bring this time uh, to a close. So please, if you need to do that, uh, please do so. Uh, but you're invited to check out this last scene as Jesus speaks his final words. Yeah. 